Hey, my name is John Holtorf. I'm lead pastor, a part of the teaching team here at Northern Hills. And man, I am so excited to be here with you this morning. Um, this series that we started, we're in week two of the series called Winning the War in Your Mind. And um, if you are here in person, um, welcome to you. We're so glad that you're here. Um, if you want to get a book, there's actually books that are available um, in the cafe if you want to. Um, if you're online, we are also happy to have you here as well. Um, but we encourage you to just jump on Amazon and order that book. It's a book that's based um, it's by uh, Pastor Craig Grish show and it's called winning the war in your mind and it's just um, it's been a really good challenge I think I know for me personally it's been it's been really something that has as I've gone in and done the work of what we've been working on is it's really starting to transform some of my thoughts and I know that it's, I think as we get through the day I think hopefully you'll have that kind of that aha for you as well and I think I know it's something that's really going on in our world right now this whole idea of this battle that's going on in our minds I mean, if you look at some of even other books that are published that recently that have a similar take on things. I mean, there's a book called, um, called Get Out of Your Head by Jenny Allen. Uh, my wife is reading that book, and I know even this last week as I was working on my message, she had read me a, a clip out of, uh, like a section out of hers, and it was just like, man, it's the same message. It's the same thought of the, there's this battle that's going on in our heads. There's another book um, that maybe some of you guys have heard of. Um, it's, it's by Louis Giglio called Don't Let the Enemies Take a Seat at Your Table. Another one that's Again, it's just that whole idea, and we are in a fierce battle. Um, we, we even talked about it back in, in the summertime. We did a series called Playlist. I did a message called A Million Reasons and, and talked about that war, that war that's going on for our thoughts. And the reality is that in a lot of the cases, we're not winning that war. And for us to first, we need to first recognize that there's that battle going on, and then we need to take steps to go in that right direction. Um, Pastor Brandon started us off this last week, and we're going to refer back to his message several times and some things that we need to build upon. But I want to encourage you that if you haven't listened to last week's message, go back and listen to it. See, sometimes when we do series, um, the individual messages kind of stand alone. And, and even though they individually do here as well, there's something that really builds in most of the series where we're trying to build on something over three or four weeks. A thought that we have that, that builds upon. And this one is definitely one that I'll be talking about a little bit later on why it's so important, some of the things that we were supposed to do this last week. So I encourage you, if you haven't watched it, go back. Um, excellent message by Pastor Brandon. And the main idea through this series is that our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Think about that for a little bit. How, how does that hit you? It's a little unnerving, isn't it? I mean, if you really think about some of your strongest thoughts, you're like, mm-mm, don't want to go that direction. That's not where I want to go. So you have to really bring it into perspective and say, man, this is something that we need to take control of. Because I think if we really realize, hey, we don't want to end up there, so let's make sure that we take care of it back here. To get us starting this morning, started this morning, I want to ask a question. Have you ever been in a situation where you've wanted to do one thing and then you've ended up doing something that's totally contrary to it? Maybe you wanted to, to do something and you're like, ah, oh, I know I'm, I'm going to change things. I'm going to do things different now. And then it comes time and you end up going back to doing the same thing that you do all over and over again. Let me give you, uh, you know, some examples here in just a second. But, but really, I think when I think of that, that idea is that I think of the Apostle Paul. And probably one of the verses that, that just, just resonates so well with me is when he said this in Romans seven fifteen. He said, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I mean, that's something that just resonates so many times in my life. I'm like, I want to do this. I want to make a change. I want to go here. 
and it doesn't happen. I'm like, why? You get done with it, you're like, why is it not changing? Here's some examples. I don't know about you and your marriage, but, and I'm sure this is probably just me and mine, but every once in a while, my wife and I argue. I'm sure that doesn't happen in yours, right? You don't have any arguments. Nothing happens there. But we argue in our marriage, and I'm like, why are we arguing over stupid things? I'm like, I'm going to stop this. We're not going to do this anymore. It's just not going to happen. We're done with this. I'm going to, whenever something happens and it irks me, I'm going to just calmly, you know, sit down and give myself a timeout. But then you find yourselves folding laundry and you argue over who's folding the bath towels the wrong way and it starts an argument that ends up someplace else down the road you're like how did we get here right or maybe maybe it's this is you maybe you have said man i'm going to stop worrying i'm done with worrying i know what worrying has got i've seen the effects that worry has on my life i've seen that there's actually there's nothing i can do to change the outcomes so i'm just going to stop worrying this doesn't do me any good and then a stressful situation happens and all of a sudden, you find yourself right back to where you were before, worrying about whatever it was. Maybe for you, it has something to do with your health, and you're going to say, man, I'm, I'm going to get into a workout program, or I'm going to lose weight. Um, I've been having some back trouble over the last few months, and, and, I, and I got it back to where it's feeling functional, and I was doing all, just doing great. I was out changing the rotors and, and brakes on my truck, and I went to, to crank down to tighten my, my lug nuts, and I threw my back back out. I'm like, ugh. I'm like, hey, you said you were going to do some exercises to strengthen your core. It's pretty weak right now. So I'm like, I know I want to do it. I know that there's things, that, and I've had plenty of time to do it. I just don't do it. Maybe that's you as well. Maybe for you, maybe it's in your area of finances, and you have said, okay, this is the year. This is the time. I'm finally going to take control of my finances. I'm going to finally get a control of everything. I'm going to stop overspending. I'm going to put a budget together. This is going to be awesome. I'm going to love it. And then you're just scrolling through on your phone, and you happen to open up the Amazon app, and you just happen to put some things in your cart, and you hit buy, and you just like, boom, all of a sudden they show up at your door. It's like, wow, this is awesome. But oops, what happened to my spending? What happened to my budget? See, the crazy thing is that these things can happen in all areas of our life happen with our finances. It can happen with our health. It can happen in our relationships with our spouse, with our kids, with our parents. It can happen in our relationship with God. We know we, what we want to do. We may even know what we need to do, but we end up doing something totally contrary to what we want, what we desire, and then we ask ourselves the question, why? Why? Why do I keep doing the things I don't want to do? And why am I not able to do the things that I want to do. I think it really, if you think about it and you look back at those situations, you, you look at it and you're like, this is just, it seems like irrational behavior. So why is it that we do these things? Well, I'm going to give you a reason. It's very simple. It's because of the way that you are wired. It's because of how you are wired. Now, don't you got to listen to the whole message. You can't just walk out of here and take that as context because I know, husbands, some of you are going to say, you're going to get in an argument with my wife and she's going to say something. You're like, why do you keep doing this? You're like, well, it's just the way I'm wired. Pastor John just said it's the way I'm wired. I can't do anything about it. I can't change anything. Or you're going to leave here and you're going to get, you're going to speed on the way home or you, because none of you really do that. But some people maybe at other churches would. I mean, they'd maybe speed on the way home. They get pulled over and, the, and they say to the officer, officer, man, I'm sorry. This is just the way that I'm wired. I feel the need, the need for speed, right? And I just, I got to, I got to go fast. And, and I think he'll probably look at you and go, no, here's your ticket. Good luck. So no, we know that those aren't the cases. That's not the reality. And that's really not what I mean. But see, all throughout our lives, we have different experiences. We have different interactions that impact the wiring of our brain. 
Our brains are wired through the formation of neural pathways. We started talking about it this last week. This last week. And the majority of those pathways are created when we are young. And those pathways reference a lot of good things. You think about a baby learning different things along the way. Even a baby learning to smile. I mean, when the baby sees you smile, they're mimicking you at first. But then they get positive reinforcement from that because they see you light up. They see your face light up and they see you smile. And even see your, your voice get a little bit higher and you, and you say fun things like, oh, this is so awesome. And they're, and they're celebrating like, this, yeah, this is great. Uh, but here's the deal. I'm convinced. I'm convinced that babies at some point in life they understand, they start to manipulate, right? And they start to know, hey, there's this adult. Let's see how goofy I can get them to look to make me smile. So they, they're, I think they're recording it. I think they know what they're doing. I just understand that that's probably the way it is. But we still do it, right? See, our brains, our brains are incredible. God designed them in a way that our brains look for patterns. They look to create neurological pathways that enable us to do things easier as we go down the road. And we all have probably experienced this. You guys remember riding a bike? Remember that, that process? Throughout that whole process, you were creating new neural pathways, and that led to success. You were, whether it was beginning to learning how to balance, how to, how to go from left and right, what that looks like, to then, okay, now i got to pedal and keep my balance. How, what does that look like? And i got to steer. i got to be able to do that. And then, whoa, there's brakes. Because you remember the first time you rode a bike, you didn't know where the brakes were. You just kept going. You're like, oh, how am I supposed to stop this? But you're just going along. All these different things. You're a little erratic at the beginning. But as you start getting in the hang of it, they start creating those neural pathways that things start happening automatically. And then you happen even more quickly. And for most people, you get to a point where you can ride a bike without even thinking of it. I mean, I can remember getting to a spot of riding a bike that I thought was pretty cool. You know, I could ride, hey, look, no hands. And you'd be able to ride and just be able to steady everything and even control the way you went by all, by just what you were doing and knowing that that was just a reinforcement of things that you did over and over again. I remember riding my bike. I think I was in high school, probably my freshman, sophomore year or whatever else. And, I, and there was an event going on in our town called Roland Days. It was our big town festival our big town of a thousand people, our festival. And so it wasn't really a huge thing, but it was a fun thing. And it happened at our park. It was only a couple blocks away from me. So I remember getting on my bike and heading down towards the park because I wanted to go see how they were setting everything up. As I turned the corner onto our main highway, our main highway had a stop sign that was the center of town. That was the stop sign in town, I think. And so it, we had that, that one stop sign in that, in that road. And then so you're, you're, you're going down the road, and I'm, I'm just cruising along. And over to the right, I see the park. And I see them setting up a shelter or setting up a tent, putting up a stage. And there was a family that was eating kind of a picnic in the, in the shelter area. And I'm just, I'm just cruising right along, going right along, just kind of looking. All of a sudden, wham, I run right into the back end of their parked car. Yeah, I was like, what the heck just happened? I, out of nowhere, I had forgotten. I was so comfortable with, with knowing how to ride a bike, I forgot you got to look in front of you to see if there's something in front of you to know that you need to either stop or not stop, right? But the family saw me. They came down, made sure I checked on me, see if I was okay. My bike, my wheel was all bent. Um, I was okay. Just my pride was hurt a little bit that I ran into a stopped car. I mean, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but... But I think that's how things happen sometimes, isn't it? I mean, the things that we do in our lives that happen so automatically that we get there and we're like, how did I get here? What did I do? How did this even happen? This is not what I want to have happen. Neural pathways can be formed in our brain that bring success, happiness, and good things. But some of the pathways can be responsible for why we keep doing the things that we don't want to do or say the things that we don't want to say. So how, what, what do we do about that? Can we change them? 
The good news is that we can. The good news is that we can, but it's going to take some work, and we need to train for it. A couple weeks ago, uh, Pastor Brandon uh, finished up our, our mission series, and he talked about this idea of training versus trying. You know, we can try to change some things, but man, that doesn't really get us where we want to go. We need to train. So if we want to see real change in our lives, in our own lives, if we want to be real change in our world, we need to train for it. And we all know this. This is not anything that's new. And we've seen this. When we talk about physical training, we know that. We see athletes train. We see people in the Olympics, right? If they're getting ready for the Olympics, that they are training in their sport. They're doing, they're doing repetition after repetition over and over again to perfect their craft. If you want to learn how to shoot free throws better and make more, what do you need to do? You need to shoot more free throws over and over and over again to, to repeat, to get those things all back. Work on your mechanics and all those pieces, but you need to repeat it over and over again. I read an article this last week that talked about being a professional golfer and, and, and how, what it would take to become a professional golfer. They said, first you need to invest 1,728 hours per year. That may not seem like a whole lot, but as I broke it down, it was six hours per day, six days a week, 48 weeks per year. That's a lot of time. And if you, if you really want to do this, and if you really want to become professional in it, you need to do it to seven to ten years before you become professional in that. So it's over 17,000 hours potentially to get to where they want to be, to train to get to the level that they want to be. It's a lot of time and effort. It's a lot of repetition, a lot of creating muscle memory and creating new spiritual or new, new uh, uh, mental pathways to be able to get to that spot, neural pathways, to get to where you want to go and have the results that you want to see. And I, as I said, we all know this, right? Athletes, we've seen it. They desire to get better. They need to train their body. But the same idea, this exact same idea applies to our minds as well. If we want to change the outcomes from doing and saying things that we don't want to do or say, we need to train our minds. Pastor Brandon mentioned this last week, Romans 12, 2. Paul calls it the renewing of our mind. It says, and it says verse 2, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. If we don't train our minds, then the things that we are struggling with, the things that we are battling, where that battle is going on, evil is going to win out. We don't constantly drift towards good. We need to train towards good. We need to renew our mind through training. And it may not take over 17,000 hours, but it's going to require a plan. It's going to require our focus and effort, and it's going to require us to have some repetition. Last week, if you guys were with us um, last week, Pastor Brandon started to lay out what that first part of the training plan was. Um, parts one and two. The first part was to identify a stronghold in our life. And my guess is that every single one of us has an opportunity to say, hey, what is something in my life that I'm struggling with? And maybe some of the things that I even mentioned earlier, but what is that stronghold? How do I identify? How, what is the enemy taking in my life, twisting it and turning it and making it something that he's using against me to fully do and be who God's called me to be? So we take that, uh, that, uh, that stronghold. So we have that stronghold, and now we said, okay, the second part of that, he said, was to go find God's truth that can break that stronghold down. So we identify God's truth. We look different ways, find it in concordance, look on, do a search on Google, whatever that is, to find something different ways. I actually was talking to somebody in between services, and they said, I did just that. I, you t I talked about worry, and I was worrying so much. I did a search on Google on worry. She goes, I got 17 different verses on worry. And she's like, so I'm now looking at all of them. I'm writing them all down. I'm like, that's awesome. 
But it's, it's that whole idea of first, let's identify that stronghold and then let's find that, this, that truth, God's truth, to break it down. Example, another example here is that you want to stop spending money. Maybe Hebrews 13.5 would be that. It says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. It's finding a truth in God's word that breaks down that lie that the enemy keeps saying, man, you, you got to spend more to make, be happy. And say, no, 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 that's not the case. Because my worth is not in the things that I have. My worth is in God. So identify a stronghold, discover God's truth. Now here's just a side note here. Because I think sometimes when we learn some things here at church, I know that this is a, a, a struggle for me as well. When I he hear something, sometimes I'm like, oh, that's, that's a great thought. And then I capsulize it and I kind of put it away. But the reality is that, that that's just exactly what the enemy wants us to do. Because my guess is that if you were here last week and you heard that, that Pastor Brandon said those things, and you may even said, man, I need to do that this week. My guess is that the enemy threw a bunch of things at you this week. Maybe a bunch of things that would even go right against that stronghold that you were and say, no, 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 you, you're, you're not going to go down that road. We're going to continue to reinforce that stronghold in your life. Or maybe he even just got you busy. And you're like, oh, I really wanted to, but I... I, I just, I've been so busy this week, I haven't taken the time. Or maybe he's gotten to the spot of saying, you just totally forgot about what was this last week, and you're in that spot now. And you're like, oh yeah, I was supposed to do that this last week. And I don't say that to make us feel bad, because it happens to me as well. This isn't a guilt trip. This is something I look at in my own life and go, man, if I wasn't preparing the message this week, and going back and doing that, would I have taken the time necessary to do it? And I know that because that is the enemy's it's his way of trying to, to thwart anything that we try to do on the positive side because he does not want to see you overcome the strongholds in your life. So I want to encourage you, go back, listen to those things, do the, the homework, go after it and see what God will do in the midst of it. Remember, our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. All right, so we have those two pieces done. So now we're going to move on to what the next step. This is your homework for this next week, and that's to create a declaration. Create a declaration. This will be the truth that you're going to use, that you're gonna, we're going to put into practice. It's going to create a new neural pathway to replace the old one. You think about it, remember? We're going to be training our mind. Just like an athlete, an athlete's going to put together a training plan. They're going to have a number of repetitions. They're going to alternate muscle groups. They're going to be consistent. They're going to be intentional about their training. We're going to do the same thing. So when training our minds, here's what we need to do. We need to have exercises, right? We need exercises. And we've talked about several of those exercises before. Put part of them are our core values. We talk about we pray expectantly. And prayer, taking things to God in prayer is essential part of our faith. We need to be praying and praying expectantly that he's going to do and say that he's going to provide freedom from the stronghold in our life. We need to get into God's words. We need to seek him desperately, another one of our core values. We need to seek him to understand what he wants to do in our lives and understand his truth so we can apply it to the things in our lives. But today I want to touch base on another discipline. I think it's a discipline that sometimes we, we push aside or we don't really think about, or maybe even it kind of freaks us out a little bit when we think about it because we've heard of it and it's called meditation. See, sometimes we think of meditation, you, you think of Eastern religion and meditation. And there's Christian meditation and there's Eastern religion meditation. There's definitely differences. There are some similarities, but there's some differences as well. And I want to spend a little bit of time kind of talking about that. See, there are some similar similarities is that it's part of a spiritual journey. Part of the idea is that we're moving along in our spiritual journey, and there's, there's usually a, a thought of repetition of words or thought in the midst of all of it. But see, 
Eastern meditation, their goal is enlightenment and self-discovery, becoming one with the universe. Maybe even have you sit cross-legged. I don't think I can even do that. My, I think my body's too old. I'd probably break if I tried to do that right now. But there, it's all this focus on, on this enlightenment, becoming one with the universe. And here's the difference. Here's the significant difference between Eastern meditation and Christian meditation. Eastern meditation, their whole idea is to empty their mind. To empty their mind. Be one with the universe. But Christian meditation is all about filling our minds with God's truth. Filling our minds with God's truth. To be in connection with God. To be in relationship with Him. To spend time with Him. Seeking Him desperately. Because there's a huge difference in that. And we, we hear that meditation piece and we, we got to think, oh, that's, that's maybe new age. That's kind of crazy stuff over there. But I think we're missing out on a discipline that God wants us to bring to him. To be able to help strengthen. I think it's going to be necessary to overcome the strongholds in our life. In the message version of Philippians 4, 8 through 9, they paraphrase the Apostle Paul's instructions regarding meditation by saying it this way. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true and noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious. The best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmony. Paul is saying, meditate on these things. Meditate. Fill your minds with God's truth. Because if we want change to happen, we're going to need to take control. We're going to need to create a new neural pathway. Because the reality is, the reality is, the old way is not working. Because we continue to do the things we don't want to do. We continue to say the things that we don't want to say. So we're going to need that. Start by creating that declaration and meditating on it. Well, what does that look like? I love how Pastor Grishel puts it in his book, and he just simplifies this whole idea of meditation, and we're going to spend some time talking about that. He says, we're going to write it, we're going to think it, we're going to confess it until you believe it. We're going to write it, we're going to think it, we're going to confess it until you believe it. So we've identified the stronghold, we've identified God's truth that combats that. We're going to create that declaration, we're going to write that declaration down. It's so important that we write it down. So that we can look at it, we can refer to it, we can repeat it, we can get it in our, our, our mind over and over again. To be, ta- to be able to say that over and over again. Once you have that, de- that declaration done, write it, think it, confess it until you believe it. Write it, think it, confess it until you believe it. Repeat it over and over and over again. You can't make this a one-time deal. Because see, the stronghold in your life... It's in there. It's happening automatically. It's happening without you even having to think about it. It's something that naturally happens over and over again. And you keep repeating the things that you don't want to do or things you don't want to say. And we need to stop that. So we need to have repetition on the other side to stop it. You're not going to be able to overcome it with a one-time thought. You need to write it, think it, confess it until you believe it. And until it establishes a new neural pathway in your brain. Well, what does that look like? Practically speaking, if we, if we have some examples, let's dive into a couple of things to say, hey, this is what a declaration could look like for you. Maybe there's somebody here with just struggling with knowing God's purpose, trying to figure out what, what is God doing in my life? I don't understand what my purpose is here. 
Maybe your declaration could sound something like this. My life belongs to God. Daily I seek him, and daily he directs my steps. I know his voice, and he leads me to his perfect will. And we write that, think it, confess it, until we believe it. Maybe for someone else, it's fighting lustful thoughts. Maybe you're struggling, you're like, oh, why do I keep doing this? I don't, this is not what I want to have happen. Maybe your declaration could be this. I'm not a slave to lustful thoughts because God is purifying my mind. I will honor him with my eyes and my thoughts. My God is faithful. Even if I'm tempted, he will always give me a way out. You need to write it. You need to think it. You need to confess it until you believe it. I'm sure someone in here has battled worry. Battling all the different things that are going on, whether it's in family, whether it's with our world, whether it's just with jobs, all kinds of things. And then worry is something that just overcomes you. Maybe your declaration could sound like this. Because of Christ, I'm not anxious about anything. I cast my cares on God because he cares for me. I have the peace of God dwelling in my heart and ruling my mind. You need to write it. You need to think it. You need to confess it until you believe it. Repeating that declaration over and over again, day after day, month after month, week after week, maybe even year after year, you get to that spot where you're like, ah, I just need to create that new neural pathway to replace the old one so the old one will shrink away and you replace it with God's truth. And you get rid of what the enemy is trying to lie and how he's trying to lie to you and how he's trying to deceive you. And we put our faith and trust in what God says, who God says we are. And then we can declare the power of God working in our lives. We need to write it. We need to think it. We need to confess it until we believe it. My encouragement for all of us is to create that declaration and just do just that this week. Because here's the deal. I'm guessing that maybe somebody here today, maybe, maybe you've just tried and you've failed over and over and over again because you've not yet put your faith and trust in Jesus. I want to let you know that, man, this is the first and the best step for you is to make a declaration that Jesus is your Lord. He is your Savior. He is the one that will rescue from all of the things that you've been trying to battle through. Because here's the deal, you can't do it on your own. You can't. The enemy will win. But if you seek God desperately, if you seek him with your whole heart, if you believe that Jesus is Lord, that he went to the cross to die for your sins and my sins, and that he rose again three days later, and he now sits at the right hand of the Father, declaring victory over sin, victory over our strongholds, victory over our thoughts. If that's you, you've not made that decision yet, man, I'll encourage you, do it today. Don't wait. This battle's hard. Without God, it's hopeless. Let's lean in to our Heavenly Father. Let's ask Him to fill us with the Holy Spirit, to be able to do the things that we need to do, to have the focus that we need to do to reach out to him and say, I need help, Lord. Come into my life. If that's, you've just done that for the first time today, I want to encourage you. I'm going to stop back out in the cafe. 
talk to one of us. We'd love to get you some resources to help you out with that. For the rest of us, we're going to actually take a time to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us through a time of communion. And when you came in, you should have been given a cup with a, a wafer on the top of it. Um, just so lo- those of you that know. Oh, by the way, if you if you didn't get one, raise your hand, keep your hand up, and um, we got some people that'll pass some out to you. Make sure you guys can get them. Um, but if the on, on your little cup there, there's a, a two different layers. The front, the front top layer is a clear layer that will get you access to the wafer. Um, if you are at home and watching, and we want you to, to take communion with us. We may not be together in the same room, but man, we are together united as the body of Christ um, throughout, even, even when you're watching online. So go to, the, go to the fridge, maybe grab some some juice or something or a cracker. We'd love to have you take communion with us. And see, we do communion together. We take communion together to remember, to have that reinforced in our brains what Jesus did. Because sometimes we can go through the motions of things. Sometimes we can forget what our faith is really about and the trust in, in the, our faith in Jesus and what he did for us. The sacrifice that he made, that he came and lived as a human, had all the temptations that you and I faced, but he was fully God and fully man at the same time. And because of that, because he was sinless, he was able to